All right, open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. See if any of you know this verse. Look at verse 15. Okay, you guys down here, do you guys know this verse? Let's all say it together. You ready? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's pray. Lord, we love your word. Help us as we study it tonight. And Father, I pray that this is a profitable time and brings glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Taking a little break from the Psalm 119 tonight. Um, I, this, In my own discipling, this issue in our discipleship book has come up. And so uh, this is a perfect illustration before we dive into how to study the Bible here in a few weeks. Um, th- this is a, a good introduction to why it's so important to rightly divide the word of truth. So tonight my message is on the order of forgiveness. How many of, how many of you have been forgiven by God? You've been forgiven. Are you thankful for that? Is that forgiveness permanent or temporary? Does he forget our sin? Yeah, it's washed away. It's gone. Praise God for that. But there's some confusion that comes up on this subject. And I want to start. Look at our look at our verse again. Study. That's that's a command. Study. And it's a command to the pastor primarily. This is a pastoral epistle. But it's something that is applied to all of us. But the job of the preacher is to study. And that study, it's work. It is work. The Bible says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and in doctrine. Um, when I speak to pastors, I often talk about this. And I, at, at one time, Doug's job was moving engine blocks at Honda. And I said, so I got a guy in my church that moves engine blocks for eight hours a day. How does your study in the Word of God, your labor in the Word of God, compare to his labor at Honda? And I think the reason that that so many pastors fail is because they fail to recognize the labor of study. Uh, Solomon said, with much study is much weariness. And it's just true. And so this command to study, it's work, and it is work that all of us are supposed to do But it's something that we as believers, if we're really going to understand the Word of God, we need to be in church. Amen. But that can't be the only place that you're learning the Bible. And so that is clearing off some time to study God's Word and really to to make it labor. Labor. I think about right now, this year we didn't do fantasy football. Um, But when I would do fantasy football... I mean, I would put some time into it. I mean, I put time into it to fail as miserably as I did. And, you know, I would I would watch more games than normal to see how my guys are doing. And, man, I don't know how much time I put into it, but quite a bit. I'll bet you there are a lot of Christian men who will spend more time this year on fantasy football than they will the whole year studying the Bible. And then when issues come up in our lives and we don't know how to answer them or questions come up from family members or coworkers and we don't know how to answer them or controversy comes up and we don't know what the Bible says about it, then, then that's on us. Amen? 
And yet, the positive side is it's so fun when you find the truth of the Word of God. I mean, it's so exciting, and you got to tell somebody about it. And and I, I drive Laura nuts. I'll be reading something, and she'll be in the middle of working, and I'll say, "You got to hear this." And I read some real high-level thing to her while she's trying to think about, you know, she's the financial secretary, the numbers. So she she wears readers, but she still does this. She's squinting at the, and now I'm reading something to her, and I'll say, "Isn't that great?" And she'll say, "Yeah, that's great." Can I get back to work now? Sure, go ahead. Um, Study. So study to show thyself approved unto God. So we want to study for God's approval on us. Amen? Man, what a good thing that is. A laborer that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we always say, ask this question. If you can rightly divide the word, you can also wrongly divide it. So I want to give you an example of wrong division. That's not mispronunciation of long division. We're talking about wrong division. How many of you know that there's probably a politically incorrect joke right there? All right. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 6. So in our discipleship lesson on prayer... Jeff Adams wrote this lesson. And, you know, at one time, Jeff Adams was big on right division, and he was strong on the King James Bible and some other things. And by the time he put this book out, he was beginning to waver. And let me give you an example of this. So look at Matthew chapter 6, and look at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So I want to show you some some important right division things. There are a couple of things I want to point out. I want to begin with this concept of forgiveness. So in the lesson, it's on page 57. Some of you have your discipleship books. Those of you that were in the training, you'll have your discipleship books with you. Page 57, it says, read Matthew 6.12. All right, so 6.12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Trespasses, debts, and iniquities are a few of the words the Bible uses to speak of sin. Jesus teaches you to ask God to forgive any specific sins you have committed and for you to forgive others also. The next paragraph. This concept of forgiveness is so important that Jesus emphasizes it again after teaching the model prayer. So one of the things about this that's really important, notice what it says. Well, let's do this. Hold your place here. Go to Ephesians 4, and I want to compare these two passages. All right, when you have Ephesians 4, say amen. All right. So look at Matthew 6 and verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Drop down to verse 14. 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the order of forgiveness in this model prayer is you forgive and God will forgive you. Right? So now let's go to, keep your place here in Matthew. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What's the order there? We forgive because God has forgiven us. In the model prayer, we forgive so that God will forgive us. Now, how many of you can see that that's a different order? What's the difference? You see, this is where right division is so important. It's so vitally important. One's an Old Testament context. One's a New Testament context. When did the New Testament start? When did the New Testament start? What? When Jesus died, after the death of Jesus Christ, the New Testament began with the death of Jesus. In the book of Luke, Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Hebrews chapter 9, the New Testament is not, a, or a testament is not a force while the testator liveth. The New Testament began with the death of Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 6 is the, is the king's rules for the kingdom. When, you know, I want to make sure everybody sees this. Go to Hebrews 9 with me. You can put your marker there in Matthew 6. Lord willing, we'll come back. Hebrews chapter 9. This is a new concept to a lot of folks. We're not crazy. Verse 15. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this cause, he, this is Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was de dedicated without blood. So the New Testament began with the death of Jesus Christ. But it didn't have any power until he rose from the dead. Amen? And then our message didn't have any power until the Holy Spirit of God came to indwell us and empower us to preach the Word of God in Acts chapter 2. So the church began with Christ. It was empowered at Pentecost and it was ordered, structured, propagated under the Apostle Paul. When we understand that progressive revelation of the church with the dividing line being the cross... And remember, people before the cross were not looking forward to the cross. The disciples did not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ until after it happened. They didn't understand it at all. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Those of you who have heard this many times, I need to go over this because we have folks who haven't heard it. 
So go to John chapter 20. John 20. First day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, verse 1, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Peter, to Simon Peter, and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him, so they run to the sepulcher. And then look at what it says in verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, that's John, and he saw and believed. What did he believe? He believed that the body was gone. You know, you'll hear preachers every, I hear every, every Easter, some preacher's going to stand up and say he believed in the resurrection. They just need to read the next verse. For as yet, they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. This is the apostle Peter and the apostle John. They didn't know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Am I making it up or is it what the Bible says? Is there any unclearness here? They were not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen until Luke chapter 24. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then he teaches them to preach the death, burial, and resurrection. But they weren't preaching that before. That is a New Testament message to a New Testament church. So now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. But wait a minute. The book of Romans says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're a new creature. Old things are passed away, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Behold, all things are become new. You see, the New Testament is salvation by grace. The Old Testament had different rules. There was different rules. And in the kingdom, in the millennium, when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have new bodies. We're not going to be able to sin. How many of you can't wait for that day? (laughs) We're going to rule and reign with him on the earth. We're going to judge angels. We're going to be doing all of that. Those who come through, look at Matthew chapter 25. Look at chapter 24 first. Matthew 24 verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from the heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Look at chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. 
And then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So here you have these people that are still alive at the end of the tribulation period. Jesus Christ comes in glory, and he sits on the throne of his glory on the earth, and he gathers all the nations of the world before him, and the goat nations are on the left, and they're cast into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the the sheep nations, they will be on his right hand, and he says, enter into my kingdom. Well, those that enter into his kingdom, they still have uh, their, their old body. They still have their sin nature. And Jesus is going to rule and reign during that time with a rod of iron. And his rules are Matthew chapter 6. Look back at Matthew 6. Verse 9, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When the kingdom comes, the king will be here. And when the king is ruling and reigning, this is what happens. Look at this next verse, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Hold your place there. How many of you saw that verse? Give us this day. How many of you have ever heard that? First Thessalonians chapter five. Sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and look at what it says in verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not... What's it say right there? Neither should he... So during the kingdom, Jesus Christ is going to heal the land, but all the grass has been destroyed. The whole world is devastated. And so you go to the king and you say, give us this day our daily bread. What's going to happen to you if you sit at home and say, give us this day our daily bread? And you just pray that over and over and over again. What's going to happen to you? You're going to starve to death. Why? Because God wants you to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's God's plan. And what do we do? Look at, here, let me find the verse, and then I'll tell you where the reference is. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created, look at this, to be received how? Of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused, if it be received how? For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now let me ask you this, where do you get that meat? 
For us, we go to the store and buy it. Now, some of you kill it. Great. Do that. Some of you scrape it up off the street. That's kind of weird. I don't want to eat at your house. But the idea is when Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, in the New Testament, the instruction is if you don't work, you don't eat. And you don't pray that God will give it to you. You thank God that he's provided it for you through his blessing and your labor. Amen? Work, look, let's look, Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll notice, we're going to the church epistles, the pastoral epistles, how to, how to behave in the church. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him, what's it say? What's it say? Labor. What's the next word? Working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Not to him that won't work, but to him that needeth. Labor, working. Do you see the difference? You see, one's Old Testament, one's New Testament. One's kingdom, one's New Testament. The only way you can understand... Now, is that... Let's be honest. Forgive so that you can be forgiven. Forgive because you have been forgiven. Those are two different things. How many of you recognize those two different things? Well, what that really means is, well, what it means is just exactly what it says. And the reason that people see contradictions is because they don't know whose mail they're reading. They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. So, concept of forgiveness. How many of you are thankful that God has forgiven you? And you know what you ought to do because God's forgiven you? You need to forgive. For Christ's sake. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You need to forgive. God's people said, Amen. How many of you... Don't don't raise your hand, okay? There might be something somebody has done to you that you're still having a hard time, even by the grace of God, forgiving that. How many of you are thankful that God's still forgiven you? Should you forgive that? Yes. But your salvation is not contingent upon that. Praise God. Give us this day our daily bread. If any would not work, neither should he eat. One is kingdom. One is Old Testament. One is New Testament. Now, you say, Pastor, is it Old Testament or is it kingdom? Yes, How many of you see how it's both? Jesus wasn't telling his disciples, when the kingdom takes place, do this. 
That's not what he was telling them. He was telling them, when you pray, pray this way. This is what you need to do. They did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit yet. They didn't have the, they didn't have the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They didn't have that change, that dispensational change, that massive change that happened with the death of Christ and Pentecost. They were still under that law. How about when Jesus healed those uh, lepers? What did he tell them to do? Go present yourself to the priests at the temple. Go and do that. Why? It was still Old Testament. It was still Old Testament. So, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Forgiveness is a vital component to the Christian faith. Amen? But we do it because we have been forgiven, not so that we can be forgiven. If you have to forgive to be forgiven, that's something that you have to do to be saved. Salvation is by faith. And the Bible says, if of faith, then not of works. Faith is not a work. Forgiveness would be a work. How many of you would find it a whole lot of work to forgive some of the stuff that's happened to you in your past? Right? I'm so glad Jesus Christ has forgiven all of that. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the opportunity to study it. Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to teach these things. In Jesus' name, amen.